I'm going to give a long introduction today, uh, which will be the context for my uh, reflection on the scripture. So stay with me, okay? My mother's birthday was uh, March 22nd. She's deceased. And my brother just older than me, Barry, his was uh, uh, March 19th. He's also deceased. And my birthday's March 12th. So one week exactly before my brother and then a few days to my mother. And I remember when my, my brother was much smarter than me and he was a, like a little uh, child theologian. He said strange things that, that to this day I, I hold true. And uh, so one of the things he said to me was, uh, responding to me, I said to him on my birthday, I said, my saint is St. Gregory the Great. It used to be on March 12th, but it's been moved to September. My saint, St. Gregory the Great, he's great. And my brother just looked at me and said, my saint, St. Joseph, the foster father of Jesus. And he turned and walked away. I thought, what a creep. But he was right. I guess, I guess he got the seniority or got, you know, had extra points, St. Joseph. So I think I learned that for some reason, a very early age, I, I wasn't a believer in what I call causal um, intervention by saints or even God. That, uh, and, and don't have to agree with me, okay? But, I, but I'll, I'll, I want to tell you why, because I think what I propose is even bigger than that. Uh, I'm not big on saying... Uh, St. Gregory the Great, do this, help me, and then think that it happens. And here's my test uh, case. Who do we pray for when we lose something so we can find it? Everybody knows St. Anthony. So I remember telling this old nun that I knew, Sister Barbara Ann, I loved her dearly, and I said, Sister, I said, I have a different theory of how it works. Uh, I said, I have no problem praying to St. Anthony, saying... Uh, I lost my uh, glasses. And this happened to me this week, just two days ago. I couldn't find my reading glasses. I couldn't find them for uh, like a week and a half, and it was bugging the heck out of me. I looked everywhere, everywhere I could ever possibly put them. Even checked in the couch. Maybe they fell down in the couch. Couldn't find them. So um, I just got through speaking to somebody about this St. Anthony business. And this is what I said to the nun. I said, you see, uh, when we lose something, we're usually pretty anxious about it. We get tied up in knots. Where did I put it? Where did I put it? And then we search here and there. We go every place. We go to all the familiar places. And, and like, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I'll say, I'm going to put it here. I don't usually put it here, so I'll remember. <laughs> and then I forget that's where I put it. And that's what I did. So after about a week and a half of searching and fretting over it, I finally said, after I spoke to another person about St. Anthony, I said, listen, when I pray to St. if you pray to St. Anthony, say, St. Anthony, help me find my glasses, you can believe one of two things. One is that he personally intervenes and he fixes your mind and then he puts a thought in your head and then you get the thought because he put it there and then you find him. That's one way. And that's why I, I bet half of you believe that, and that's fine. Bravo. But this is what I believe. The moment I hand it over to St. Anthony, I change. I stop fretting. I say, Anthony, it's in your hands now. Or God, or Mary, it's in your hands. You solve it for me. And I stop fretting. I stop blocking my mind and filling my mind with all my confusion and my attempts 
to remember, and then I get more frustrated and more frustrated and keep my mind from being clear. And then what happened, I did that. It, it was just like an hour after I talked to this person about doing that. I just did it. And all of a sudden, I'm walking down the hallway, and I have a coat hanging there. I said, oh, I think I put it in the coat pocket there. And I had not thought this in a week and a half. So I went over and I checked. I said, no, that doesn't seem likely because I don't really have a pocket up here. And then it hit me. Oh, my God. I put it in the place where I said I'd remember and I forgot. And I went inside the room and I had put it in the pocket of my Pendleton. And the moment I thought that, I said, that's it. I remember why I did that. And I went there and for sure that's where it was. Now, I say that in my long introduction to strengthen it even more. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big believer that like God sent me to certain parishes specifically. Maybe, I don't know. But I just think there's bigger things on God's plate than Perry. <laughs> so I get ordained and I asked to go to an inner city parish and instead they sent me to the inner city of San Marino. Uh, I wanted poverty, they gave me wealth. Um, so there I was. But the best part was the saints uh, that this parish uh, had as patrons, Felicitas and Perpetua. They're early, early martyrs. One was a very wealthy woman, and the other one was her servant girl. And the two uh, converted to Christianity, and then they were put to death. And I found that um, amazing and amazing that this wealthy parish, this wealthy parish had the patronage of two virgin martyrs or two women martyrs and they were um, you know wealthy and poor uh, but they both got put to death then from there I went to St. Mark the evangelist I thought oh my god one of the evangelists how rich is that then from there I went to Peter and Paul oh my god the founders of the church and then after that I went to a Marian, a Marian parish a mother of sorrows and particularly because I had a, a devotion a strong devotion to the cross and and that was amazing to me then I went to St. Joseph my brother must have intervened and there I spent 12 years and then I come to St. Bernard, and I have to say, St. Bernard, you've done something to me. Because I didn't used to function this way when I prepared for homilies. He, I, I don't say he pops it into my head, but I get these thoughts or these, these ideas that I don't know where they come from, but they're kind of crazy. So I'm thinking that rather than that Bernard of Clairvaux popped it into my mind, that's a nice way of looking at it. I prefer to fix on this opening prayer. And I read it again. Keep your family safe, O Lord, with unfailing care. Keep us safe. That, then here's how. That relying solely, solely on the hope of heavenly grace, they may we may be defended always by your protection. Ah, so it's not something outside of me God doing something, but God doing something inside of me. And that through this unfailing grace, this heavenly grace, this hope of heavenly grace, that things happen inside me that are saving, that are wonderful, that are powerful and sacramental. I had a priest friend who used to say, there are not seven sacraments, there's 7,000 sacraments. 
And I want to say it's not St. Bernard of Clairvaux or St. Joseph or St. Gregory the Great. It's all the saints. It's the communion of saints. Everybody's on my side. Not necessarily the human people, but, but the, the superhuman people who have died and gone to heaven. They're all on my side. They're always praying for me. They're always interceding, all of them. And God our Father, God our Son, God of the Holy Spirit, Mary, everybody. It's not just Anthony helping me find things. But it's this powerful grace and life in me that, that affords the possibility. Now that's the introduction. <laughs> oh my God, that's the introduction. <laughs> well, today these scriptures are really uh, interesting. Uh, and I, if you told me 44 years ago when I was ordained, after I studied theology for four years, that something that would feed my homilies would be Cartoons and commercials. I would have said, you're absolutely nuts. Cartoons and commercials? But it's the truth. I, they pop into my mind out of nowhere. Bernard, it's you doing it. He was a great teacher, a doctor of the church, and, and he knew how to communicate. He dealt with everybody, popes and everybody. You're doing it. Because I'm reading these scriptures this week in preparation for today, and a cartoon popped into my mind after reading Job. And I, I can't tell, I even tried to look it up in the internet, I couldn't find it. But there's this old man, I think, in a, this old cartoon of, when I was a kid, and he's going like this, Woe is me! Woe is me! And that image popped into my head. And of course, it's, it's right from the text. But more than that, listen to what Job says. Now, we know Job was wealthy and had all kinds of things, big family, and he lost it all because of a bet between God and Satan. And it's, it's a story that's trying to capture this, this need for our dependence and trust in God. And in the end, after losing everything except his own life, he still shows his trust and belief in God. And he's rewarded. But listen to what he says about his, oh, is me. Job spoke, saying, Is not man's life on earth a drudgery, especially mine? Are not his days those of hirelings I can't even own? I have to work for somebody. He's a slave. I'm a slave who longs for the shade. I always get the sun. A hireling who waits for his wages. I've been assigned months of misery. Woe is me. Oh. That's Job. That's Job. This theme continues uh, into the second reading, but before the second reading, we have the responsorial psalm. And in response to that, woe is me, this is what the psalm says. And we sang this. We sang, after woe is me, praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Wow, that seems a little different than what we just read. But interestingly, and you don't see this, but in our text here, there is a psalm response, praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. And then in red it says, or, colon, you can just do this refrain, hallelujah. So how do you listen to, woe is me, and our response is, hallelujah. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. But it does when you tie it to the second reading in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Because he doesn't say, woe is me, he says, I accept the woe. 
Yeah, I'll take, he even says, woe is me, because he says, you know what? I am compelled to preach the gospel. I have to do it. Not because God is forcing me, but because I'm so moved. I am so tied to it in my spirit. I've become a slave to it. And he says, woe is me, almost mockingly, woe is me. And, uh, no, I, I accept it. I'm a slave to the gospel. i got to go preach it, no matter what. No matter what the cost. He says, I've become weak so that I can attract the weak and make them strong. I'm a slave. I must do it. And I would spend my whole life doing it to everybody if I only could save one person. So compelled is Paul to preach this gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the reason I think this is so powerful, because this is that grace working again, what if we all felt like that? I feel compelled, and, and I, I have to say, I, I think probably most of us are, if not all of us, here we are, eight o'clock on a Sunday morning here, a bit chilly, and we're, we're here at Mass. Because something compels us deep in our spirit to stay connected to this God to Christ in the Eucharist, to let the Spirit of God flow into us. And so when we move into the gospel, we can see where Paul got his conviction. He followed Christ, although his writings predated the gospel writings, but everything that Paul preached came from Jesus the Christ through the Spirit, into his soul and spirit, like unfailing grace. And this is what it says of Jesus. He was with uh, Peter, James, and a couple other disciples. And he comes into the house of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter's mother-in-law is there with a fever in bed. And um, the gospel says that they told him about her. And then, without a word... He didn't question her or ask her anything. He didn't say things like he usually did about don't fear, have faith. He didn't say what do you want. It says he grasped her by the hand and helped her up and she was cured. He, he just, he, he, he comes in the room and there she is with a fever, maybe dying, whatever. Takes her by the hand, lifts her up and she's well. And she begins to wait on them. And if that's the only story we heard today that we'd say, oh my God, that's beautiful. But the good part's still yet to come. So they stay, they eat because she waits on them. And then the crowd starts coming to the door. It's after sunset, so it's already dark out. And everybody in town is there for healing. And people possessed with evil spirits, they're all coming at him, coming at him, and all this healing power going out of him. He has to do it. That's what he's here for. And finally he goes to bed, as they all do. And you'd think, if that's all there were, that's enough. But it's not over. So he gets up before dawn, before any of the others, and he leaves. And he goes to a place private to pray, and they wake up and don't find him, so they somehow follow him. And they say, Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing here? Come back, everyone's looking for you. And he says this, mm -mm. no, they're not going to cling to me and keep me, hold me here. This is why I've been sent to go everywhere to proclaim the good news. I'm compelled to go everywhere 
to touch as many lives as possible. That's the scripture today. That's this coming here to let the grace of God in. It is so much more than saying, God, will you do this for me? Mary, please help me. St. Peter, St. Joseph, St. Gregory the Great, St. Bernard. Beautiful. All of those are beautiful. Keep asking. Lord, ask everybody can. But realize that they're all on our side. All of the saints, Mary, God, all of heaven. All of heaven's on our side. And all we need to do, we need to do this, is to keep opening ourselves to let that grace in and flow and then to allow ourselves to be compelled, compelled to hear and follow the gospel and to spread it and share it. And not just by word, maybe mostly not by word, but by action. And what if this gospel made all of us a little bit more charitable today? What if? This gospel today made us all seek a little more justice. What if this gospel today made us more people of peace? And that we not only prayed for peace, but we made peace a little more real in our homes. So that if our, our uh, husband or wife today says, nye, 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 we just say, that's okay, honey. That's okay. Well, what do you want? What do you need? And I made that purposely non-sexual, Okay. He or she could be doing that, okay? Don't you accuse me. <laughs> what if the gospel grabbed us today as it grabbed Paul, as it grabbed Jesus the Christ, and we as followers, disciples, and apostles took it in, let the grace flow, and then began to spread it with all of our energy, with all of our strength.